This episode of Eye to Eye is brought to you by the following. On the energetic anthem, All the Way, legendless Ishan Burgundy and producer Kardec drums to inspire believers in Christ to go the full distance in life and faith. All the Way has an anthem-style vibe to move us forward during these tough times and to tell us we all can make it. Stream and share All the Way on your favorite platform today and follow Legend and Ishan Burgundy on all the socials. See, we the new normal, forget what you heard of, whatever you hearing. Please know the difference between what is true and what is your feelings. We've been here, listen, all the way. My philosophy is very simple. When you see something that is not right, not fair, not just, say something, do something. Get in trouble, good trouble, necessary trouble. Five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's the ten. What was it? Dual commandments. What was that? How's, That's right. How's that right? Okay. The ten dual I'm, commandments. I'm so proud of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really didn't want to remember that, but neither here nor there. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, what's good? How's everybody doing out there? Welcome, welcome, welcome once again to the latest and greatest episode of Eye to Eye, short for Inspired to Inspire the podcast. It's all about being open and honest and real, having conversations about life and faith. And as always, you know, we are willing to boldly go where most folks ain't trying to. And of course, my name is Jordan. And my name is Devin. My name is Justice. And Justice was here last week. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> just putting out the atmosphere. It's just what it was. Just so y'all know, we always, uh, we like to pray before we get this thing started every single time. And I was like, well, let's see whose turn it is to pray. And I was like, well, just. And she's like, yeah. Well, didn't I pray last week? And <laughs> unless, you're na- unless you magically turned into Christy Lauren Adams, the answer to that is no. So just putting out the atmosphere. <laughs> Didn't want to make it awkward, but make it awkward. So yeah, there thanks you go. for calling me out. <laughs> Glad to be a friend. Glad to be a friend. Yeah, uh, Dev, how you doing, bro? I'm good. I'm good. I uh, pa- I tested uh, negative for COVID, so that's yeah, awesome. Thank you about that, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a scare my in my office. <laughs> yeah, there was a scare in my office. Somebody was positive. Uh, my parents were due to arrive Sunday evening, and I found out around noontime on Friday. So with that in mind, I was scrambling to figure out how do I find out quickly. And you would think in the land of the greatest medical slash healthcare in the world that I would be able to do that. And unfortunately, if you get the standardized normal test through your insurance, which is free, I will give them credit for that. I would have had to wait about four days before I actually could take the test and then anywhere between six to 10 days for results. Uh, If you do the math, that's as much as 14 days, which is the full (laughs) gestation period of the virus. So it would have been really unhelpful. 
uh, with my parents who are in their 60s coming into town uh, and possibly being exposed. But never fear because problems are always solved in America as long as you have enough cash. (laughs) (laughs) And I found a place that took me same day. I called them up. They said, come in in 30 minutes. I was there in 30 minutes. They walked me in. I was there for about uh, 90 seconds. They put the thing up my nose, and in 55 minutes, I had a response. So it makes me a little bit worried when we have the ability to do these things, and yet it's not easily accessible, because I'm not really sure how we stop the spread of this if it takes 10 to 14 days to find out if you have it. Um, So yeah, I found out uh, same day within 55 minutes and fortunately it was negative and we could rest easy and now my office is shut down and I'm back to working at home and there was also a scare at my youngest daycare so now he is also home so we are all home and it's it's been a scene man. (laughs) Scene of one big happy family. I just want you to know... um, of course, you already know my wife, again, very much thanks you. Well, it's kind of funny because, of course, the first time That's, that it's, Jordan it's and not I... funny, no. Well, it's ironic, I guess I could say. That's uh, better. It's a black fly in your Chardonnay. Basically, the first time <laughs> that Jordan and I got together for four months to, to record live, four, yeah, maybe five good. months. I mean, it's been a while. It's been a while. We get together, and the very next day, I get a phone call that says... Hey, by the way, someone in the office tested positive. And I'm and I'm like, I I have to text Jordan. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm not at all worried about Jordan's response. I'm worried about Michonne. <laughs> yeah, you are hundred percent right. Oh, well, yeah. about that response. Yeah. Now just imagine being in the house and having to walk through that ordeal. Uh, you know, that was something that you vowed to put up with. So this is the, Hey, it's not put up with. I don't have to put up with it. Well, better or I'm worse. Glad. Worse is putting up with. I mean, it, it uh, really is when it boils down. I guess you could say that. Nonetheless, though, trust me, I did reflect and you did catch some of the brunt and I'm, I'm good sure. with that. I'm sure. But you know what? I was honest and I was, I was forthright. <laughs> this is true. This is true. So. I mean, you know, of course, that's, that's why I rock with you in the first place place because <laughs> to be fair i actually paid the, the extra money only to make sure that michonne didn't kill me it wasn't even for the concern of my parents <laughs> <laughs> see that's real honesty right there it you is can appreciate that and it i is. appreciate it yep. um, because had anything even looked like it was about to go in the opposite direction mm-hmm. you could have made arrangements for me and we would have uh mm-hmm. we would have been eulogizing someone i wanted you to see your 39th birthday so mm-hmm. i made sure so thank you, sir. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. That's good. So we're now all closer together and at the same time, absolutely 100% for the <laughs> remaining time being yeah. <laughs> distance apart. Yeah. Ah, good times. Just, hey, homie. How hey, are you? I'm good. I'm living my life over here, chilling. No, yep. I'm just kidding. I'm, we're still in the office. Um, Luckily, we haven't had any scares like you, Devin. Um, <laughs> well, that's good. So yeah. that's a good thing. It is funny when this thing hits close to home. You know, we, we know a couple of people who've gotten it. We know somebody who probably should have died. They were on a ventilator for like five days and uh, pulled out and, and they're, they're doing okay. It's, a, it's still a, it's an interesting recovery. They said that they're still learning a lot of basic motor skills and stuff. It's, it's a pretty debilitating 
uh, virus that, that will have lasting impact. But, you know, it's, it's like a lot of things. If it doesn't hit close to home, you don't think that much about it. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, it hit close to home for us, just not actually here locally. Oh, yeah? But, yeah, just a couple of my family members in Indiana um, actually got diagnosed with oh, COVID. Yeah? Um, so yeah, we they're, had to, they're okay. Uh, yeah, they're fine. Okay, um, one of, cool. one of them passed away, but it was due to other complications as well. Oh, okay. Um, I was like, hold on but, now. Like, I mean, first and foremost. Yeah, they're okay. One of them died, 100%. but they're okay. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, you're the family. We love you. Yeah. But second, you, yeah. you just. You just kind of avalanche sprung that up on us. It's like, oh yeah, by the way, one of them really died. <laughs> it was not the best delivery. I could have sworn that I told you guys this already. I knew about a family member that passed away. <laughs> it was last week you told us, maybe. No, I, I just no, I do remember about one family member passing okay. away. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't Wait, know if it was the really same circumstances. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. But, um, All right. Yeah. So. Yeah. But. Cause, cause, oof. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, but one of them, um, luckily, like, they, the rest of the family didn't get it, um, so it was my cousin, he got it, and he had to, like, quarantine, of course, and all that stuff, so they were, like, really worried that, you know, the whole family was going to get it, but luckily, like, he's the only one who, well, I mean, you don't want anybody to get it, but you know what I mean, like, right. it yeah. was a good thing, like, nobody else had gotten it. Um, within the immediate family. So that was good news. So that is good news. And Mr. Jordan, how are you doing? You know, I'm glad that you asked that question. I am, um, I'm feeling young and spry. Uh, And as I say that, no, I'm not, but it's okay. Uh, Because, you know, we're doing good and um, getting ready to celebrate another year of life in about, three hours so knocking on that door yeah 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 you know we uh we be lit is is that a is that a word to use lit yeah uh no i mean i'm 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 good though you know it's a lot of things happening and we're all busy and making sure that everything is set up for this next season in the fall and uh, um you know i uh i'm still not okay uh, just to answer that question yeah Um, but uh yeah no honestly you know we're blessed i I got plenty of reasons to count blessings and um, plenty of reasons to honor and remember people. And, you know, one of the ones that we need to honor and remember, of course, is uh, Rep. John Lewis. Amen. Uh, great, mighty, giant warrior for God and for the cause of civil rights. Uh, passed away last Friday at the age of 80 from pancreatic cancer. And, uh, you know, we, uh, of course, just wanted to start off this show by giving a salute, um, especially in, in the middle of this season, obviously we, we probably would have done it anyway, but it, I'd be remiss uh, to say, especially in the time where we are revisiting uh, the Renaissance movement that could be considered civil rights um, and everything that was a part of it, the beauty, the tragedy, uh, uh, but pretty much everything that brought us here and made sure that somebody of mine or or justice's uh, skin color uh, has the right to use their voice. Um, you know, I don't take that stuff for granted. And I'm pretty sure um, anybody who is for the cause of human rights and just loves humans, um, and especially Christians, uh, would most certainly agree with me. Hopefully, we'll, we'll say that. I agree. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I know you do. Yeah. I know. <laughs> you know. 
Mm-hmm. No, because no, as I was saying that, I'm thinking in my mind, I'm, I'm recalling uh, who's the Darius Daniels did uh, a video one time where he was reciting one of the coolest prayers I had ever heard in my entire life. Um, and then he was talking about how it was the invocation prayer uh, by the grand chaplain of the KKK at some event in like 1962. Whoa. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, praise the Lord. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, yeah. I like those things in history where people take something that was said or speech or quote or something and they say, and then they're like, and this is who said it. And you're like, what? Isn't it great? <laughs> it's, it's always it's great, right? It's pretty mind blowing when it happens. And it, it can happen quite a bit probably if you really track and follow history. Um, because like I've said before, much like in movies, Darth Vader did not think he was the bad guy. Everything has to do with the perspective of the audience. And when you, when both sides think they're justified, I promise you during the Civil War, the South did not think they were the bad guys. The North did not think they were the bad guys. During the Revolution, America did not think they were the bad guys. England did not think they were the bad guys. <laughs> like, that's, that's how it works. And that's why worldview and perspective and empathy are so important. Because you will realize that in a lot of cases, a lot of people aren't the bad guy. And sometimes we even think people are the bad guy. And we just have to understand motivations and understand humanity a little bit better sometimes. And unfortunately, we lost somebody who who did that. I don't think there's anybody who really crossed the aisle the same way that, that John Lewis did, even though he was, you know, a lifelong Democrat. You... You've heard some glowing things on both sides. And I think people who've been, it's hard for me because I'm, I'm not pro long-term politician or life, lifetime politician types, but at the same time, it, it does give you an experience to communicate and to bridge the gap that, that a lot of people who may not have been in politics for very long might not have. And uh, that's something that I, I certainly think that we will sorely miss in this country having somebody that was able to cross the aisle and, and, and at least empathize and communicate with. And Diddy was respected. Um, I love just the, the fact there was an article the New York Times put out uh, talking about, it was more like an op-ed piece than anything else, um, but it was basically talking about his ability to, to galvanize, even in, in a time where if you're asking somebody to do something and it looks like what was most likely a suicide mission, people were still game to go. Um, and specifically talking about the Freedom Riders. And um, it's always a great uh, deal, a, a great uh, a historic reference to read up on um, because I love how it is a full-on representation of sacrifice for the greater good and for the cause. Um, if you've never read about the Freedom uh, Riders, please do so. Uh, but in the piece, there's actually one part specifically uh, that they make reference to uh, where it talks about some of the participants, black and white, uh, who participated in, uh, I'd say participants participated. I'm checking myself on a nationally syndicated podcast, whatever. Um, anyway, uh, but yeah, so it talks about the participants and, and those who choose to involve themselves. Uh, and it basically talks about how they were willing to sacrifice their lives for the cause. It says uh, several of the participants had actually written out wills consistent with the realization that they may never make it home. Mm. Uh, No one wanted to die, but it was understood that a willingness to do so was essential. 
to the quest for justice. And, you know, just uh, we love justice and we also love justice, but, you know, justice <laughs> in, in general. Uh, you know, it, it amazed me how people like him and, of course, Martin Luther King, who people forget he died extra young, um, you know, fought for these causes and, and understood that there was a possibility that they may not make it to the other side of tomorrow. And, of course, many of them did not. Uh, and, you know, I just I love it because it's it's very eye to eye for me, of course, you know, the inspire to inspire references uh, because they love God so much and because they love people so much and because they believed in the cause of Jesus coming uh, to restore all mankind. Uh, they were willing to make what is considered the ultimate sacrifice. And, you know, I just think that it would behoove many of us, especially in today's culture and today's society to kind of take a lesson, I guess, because, you know, some of us are willing to live for certain freedoms. We're not really willing to die for certain freedoms. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Jesus, it, it says that his face was set like flint for the cause of the cross. And what was the cross really all about? Well, we you know uh, that it was, it was a, it was a criminal's death. That's what it was. And he knew that a criminal's death was going to give everybody on this earth who will ever come again, the right to life. Right. Um, and then if we can add some, uh, a, a sprinkling of nationalism in there, uh, liberty and the <laughs> pursuit of happiness, you know, uh, the stuff that really matters. So, uh, you know, I just, I know I want to give a salute because there's no way that I'm even here today. And I mean, it sounds like a broken record, but you can't really say stuff like this enough. <laughs> you know, I just, I, I do recognize uh, that any of the civil liberties that I do have, um, even if they are inhibited to any extent because somebody really doesn't want me to have a true sense of freedom, only came because people like John Lewis, and then of course also we'd like to remember uh, C.T. Vivian, uh, who also passed away the, the day after, and he was uh, a very essential piece. He was um, an advisor to MLK uh, during that whole time. Um, you know, what, what, what do I say? How do I say? I don't think that there's ever going to be enough gratitude for, for me to be able to express exactly um, how I feel about people like that who paved the way to make sure that I can do stuff like this today. Well, and that's what, that's really what great leadership is. You know, good leadership is getting people to live for a cause and great leadership is probably getting them to be willing to die for one. And when you think about what these men did is that they were truly looking for, for more than just a, a purpose that would be reached in their own lifetime, but a legacy that would last beyond their lifetime. And so they were fighting not to see necessarily goals achieved before they passed away, but with the understanding that they would motivate and encourage people like, like us on this podcast to carry that mantle and continue the fight that they were fighting for all those years. Yeah, I think it makes you think about too, you know, like what legacy are you leaving? Like, look at the legacy that he left, look at what he did for the generations to come. And, you know, I know for me, it you know, allowed me to think about, okay, like, what, what am I doing to help? You know, am I just, am I, am I fighting for something? Like, how am I helping push whatever it is I want to advocate? Um, how, what am I doing to help push that forward? Not just for my generation, but for the generations to come. So it's just really admirable. And the article that you guys sent, I like the fact that, um, it highlighted that there was Democrats and Republicans who both said 
considered him a personal hero. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what um, political party you associate yourself with, but it, it really is about the human beings um, and about the people. Um, are we loving people, not what they're necessarily associated with, but who they are as a person? Are we fighting for everyone, whether you're black, white, Hispanic? Um, so it just gave perspective to that. So I thought that was really cool that um, at the end of the article, it highlighted that um, as well. So Yeah, and that is something that I feel like we're we're losing a grip on in this country at times. And I'm not going to say I'm not guilty of it because um, <laughs> I can be as, mm. as as snarky and sarcastic as the next. Um, but, you know, every day I try to be better. And, uh, you know, it just it reminds me of Jordan might have foreshadowed something we're going to talk about a little bit later on by mentioning Hamilton. But uh, there is a line in one of the songs that talks about who will tell your story. And yep. and you have to make sure that your story is actually worth telling. So you have to live with the intention that, Whatever it is that you achieve will actually be worth somebody eulogizing, remembering, carrying forward, and eventually telling your story because that's what kind of keeps that legacy going. And I think yeah, that, that men like this definitely ha- deserve to have their, their stories told. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's important because it's something when you begin to recognize, not just that, but the, the degree of difficulty, I think, is... Uh, one of the things that we don't tend to address as well. We talk about the Freedom Riders and things like that. Even before that, there are other instances like uh, when he, he was doing what was pretty much the genesis of Rock the Vote. Um, and, you know, for most folks, that should have just been a positive rally. Uh, but we forget that in that time, um, it was still almost legal in certain areas for somebody to crack his skull. And that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's very intense to recognize exactly, again, what he went through uh, to make sure that I could vote. And that's why, you know, um, I don't get completely upset when people say that they just don't want to vote because they feel like it's not worth it. Yeah, it's a frustrating process in today's um, in today's society, whatever you want to call it. But uh, to posture yourself in that type of mindset and to not recognize the history of everything uh, it it really hopefully gives you some type of perspective when we have an unfortunate uh, event like this happens when somebody passes, but when you get to celebrate their life and in, in the process of celebrating, there is an education that is had. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people don't know everything that John Lewis did. I don't know everything that John Lewis did, but doggone it, the stuff that I do know um, is enough to just kind of fire me up and keep me going in, in another season for sure. And you know, I just, uh, I think if nothing else, I, I feel like the encouragement in this is to be able to be bold enough, to be strong enough uh, to make those important and to make those really sometimes very difficult decisions, uh, knowing that it might cost you some some friends, that it might cost you some, uh, you know, some status or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, but just to understand that also we are doing all of this more so for an audience of one than anybody else. Um, and he is requiring of us a completely different level of devotion to loving his people and knowing exactly what that is going to uh, require of us. I don't know. I just, uh, I don't know. I I feel like in this next season, we need another John Lewis. I don't think we can have enough of them. True. And to the people, you know, you mentioned voting and to the people that think it's 
you know, menial or maybe their vote doesn't matter. You know, it, it, that's easy to think on maybe a grand scale for a presidency. Like, you know, when you have 100 plus thousand or 100 plus million people voting, does your one vote really matter? When there's an electoral college, does it matter? Like there's, there's a lot of reasons that you can kind of convince yourself of that. But let's just think about this. Somebody like a John Lewis would not be a, a politician representing this nation for as long as he did without people voting. And I promise you that elections that elect more local government, whether it's local congresspeople who are representing your district or senators representing your state, your vote goes a much longer way to putting these types of people who are able to somehow bridge the gap and really think beyond themselves versus their personal gain and think about what it might gain for the generations to come, your vote matters. So don't just dismiss that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also love the fact that it empowers people to use their voice to call out stuff they're not supposed to be doing. Cause you know, that's, that's pretty much all Lewis did. I don't know if anybody's ever seen him on the congressman floor. Uh, but he used to tell people, yeah, chill out, stop being ratchet. Of course he would be <laughs> a lot louder and a, a little more authoritative. Uh, but that's basically what he was telling folk. And, uh, to that extent, um, I don't know. I just, uh, I love the direct effect that, that gives other people. And I know, uh, Swank, you found something specifically, uh, concerning what was a Hofstra basketball that honestly, I, I was amazed when you, you floored me when I saw it, uh, just because the individuals who, who spoke out are speaking out on something that actually happened quite some time ago. I actually was sent this and I guess it's just a page where a lot of people have been posting about the experiences that they've had at Hofstra. Um, and so, yeah, what I sent you and I'll read it because it's not that long, but the post said, I'm a former women's basketball player. And this was a basketball player from the class of 2008. Um, and they said, I'm a former women's basketball player and was discriminated against the head coach at the time, uh, favored all of the white girls on the team. She would make sure they got the better dorms and felt safe on campus. At one point during my meeting with her, she called me a effing idiot and good for nothing when I didn't sign the warning letter for not making my sprint times. Later, I was diagnosed with a severe iron deficiency. When I walked out of her office, her secretary said that she verbally abused me and I didn't deserve that. When I decided to leave the team, she had the black coach at the time um, walk me to the locker room to make sure I didn't steal anything and question me, in which that person did not answer. Um, the coach was more concerned about her job than the well-being of a young, scared black girl. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much the post, which really just blew my mind when I read that. Um, I think the part that really got me is the fact that she had a coach walk her like she walked with her to the locker room to make sure that she didn't steal anything. Yeah. Wow. Um, it made me think about um, the time when I was transferring from Georgetown. And I remember uh, they specifically told me, they were like, you can't take any of your gear. Like you have to give us back all of your stuff. Like I had a Jersey with my name on the back. I'm like, what are you guys going to do with that? And 
Anyway, so I don't know if it had anything to do with the color of my skin. So it just really made me think about that because I remember like during that time, the coaches and like the administration were kind of being very um, protective. And so it was just very interesting to me because I feel like I had somewhat of a similar experience. Again, I don't know if it was necessarily like racial, but, you know, I just, I, I was just really baffled by the, by the post. Yeah. So I got a random question on that too, uh, because I was thinking about that and it kind of lends itself to a conversation we're going to be having in a second anyway. Um, just do you, do you feel like if you were a male player, or even, a, let's say, a black male player, do you think the same thing would have happened to you? Do you think you would have gone through the same ordeal? Absolutely not. I don't even think it would have been a question. Um, I think that they would have been able to just leave and, like, they wouldn't have worried about the gear and all of that stuff, you know? And so that's that's another thing. I just, again, just that double standard, you know? Um which I dealt with a lot, even with other stuff during that time, my freshman year, but that's a whole nother thing. But yeah, no, I don't think it even would have been a topic of discussion, you know? (laughs) Wow. Yeah. What's interesting to me is, you know, I always look at stories with a weird angle for whatever reason. And I, I always try to look stuff up and find context and, you know, give people the benefit of the doubt, try to figure out, okay, well, is there another side of the story or whatnot? What's really strange about this one is, you know, you sent us basically the screenshot of, it's it's basically like a, it looks like a letter, and I believe it's anonymous. I don't think the player actually comes out and says who they are, which... I didn't see. I mean, maybe that's one of the reasons, but I try to look this story up in various different searches on Google, and I, I couldn't find anything on it. And what I found was that Crystal Kilburn, basically, who was the coach at the time, and, and she is named in the letter, so she uh, resigned as the head coach in 2018. So almost two years ago, it was like October 2018. And I wonder, with our current embracement of cancel culture, if she was still there, does this become a big story versus her no longer being there, it's no big deal. And to me, that, that only illustrates this systemic issue that we're talking about. These types of injustices and the, these types of mistreatments, they don't only matter when the people are still there. These stories need to be told so that people who are in power that might still be acting this way understand that you're not just going to get away with this stuff. Like, most of the time, this stuff is going to come out and it's going to burn you at some point like it's going to tarnish your reputation even if you think you managed to cover it and hide it I mean you know Rick Patino for years thought he was getting away with whatever he was getting away with and I mean and we're not even talking just basketball related stuff we're also talking about weird Italian restaurant stuff but that's a whole nother thing that I won't get into however he didn't get away with any of that stuff. All that stuff comes out. Like, you you can only be a terrible person for so long. <laughs> uh, so, I, you know, I thought that was interesting and, and somewhat telling that this story, I, I can't even find it anywhere. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that this coach isn't there anymore. 
Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of times that's what happens. You know, you see these articles come out and they're like, oh, this coach resigned. But there's always way more reasoning behind the scenes and why. And when you see stuff like that, you're like, hmm, I wonder if that played a part. Pretty sure that played a part in why they're resigning from their position. You know, Mm. I've experienced it firsthand. So or are we concerned about who preceded her? Like who who took over after? Because there's also another name mentioned in here who also was basically empowering this. What if that person's the coach now? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that um, you know, we're we're putting the we're putting the biblical lens on there. I I do uh love the spiritual law of Ephesians 5 8, which says that that which is in the dark shall be, shall, isha, shall be uh revealed uh in, in the light. And for what it's worth, to be perfectly honest with you, that's my one be, to be perfectly honest with you for the episode. <laughs> uh, you know, I really do feel like we are looking at a comprehensive lens of what is in the dark shall be revealed to the light. I think to be to be frank, um, the past eight years has been that. And it's it's across the board. It's sweeping, you know, and it's giving people a boldness now to come out and be able to say stuff like this, uh, to be able to say hey, 12 years ago, this racist basketball coach uh, was pretty much giving me the business, was not concerned about my health and welfare, even in a time where I had symptoms that would show that there was a cause to be concerned. Um, and then, you know, you, you tie all that up with everything that we are witnessing now. And of course, the, the big one that was in the dark that shall be revealed once again, over and over and over and over, uh, neon George Floyd's neck, um, you know, please arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. We, we keep having these conversations and you know why we, we, it's not because, you know, we're, we're saying it and it's something that we want somebody to look into. We're saying it because it has been out in the open Um, and, you know, in the 1950s, Emmett Till was out in the open, but we know that he wasn't the only one. And we're, and we're saying, cause it's the right thing to do. (laughs) It is simply the right thing to do. We're talking about justice and we're just ignoring bringing people to justice who did something that has basically been outlawed by multiple police forces across the nation because they realize how unjust it is and we still haven't even brought these guys in. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. We're, we don't need to go down that rabbit trail. We we need to focus on what we're no, about to talk about. That'd anyway, be a so. whole podcast. In, instead, yeah. uh, let's keep it focused on the the female basketball players and some of the things that are going on in that world. Uh, somebody that I know, Justice, brought this story to us as well about uh, Elena Deladon and what's Goat. going on there. So. Uh, she was the MVP of the league last year. So this isn't just some random bench player. This is arguably one of the best players in the league. Uh, Justice, give us a little background on that one. Yeah, so basically, um, Elena had came out, um, and she actually did something. I believe it was through Bleacher Report, but she did a whole article about... It was uh, Player Tribune. Yeah. yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it on Bleacher Report. Um, she was basically telling her story and how she takes, I think it was, what, 64 pills a day for um, 
the disease that she has. And so the WNBA um, basically denied her, uh, I guess it would have been her medical leave. Um, yeah, a medical exemption for Lyme, yeah. Lyme's disease, which uh, dramatically impacts your immune system. Mm-hmm. So um, the article that I had read today said that the Washington Mystics were actually going to pay her um, even if she is unable to play. But um, just the whole situation, um, they know how vulnerable she is. And um, just the fact that the WNBA denied that and that she's walking through that just with the severity of everything going on with the coronavirus and just her, you know, immune system being on the, on the vulnerable side. Um, it's just, it's a crazy situation. Devin, I like what you had brought up earlier, you know, when we were texting, um, just the, the correlation with the whole Chris Bosch thing. And you can touch more on that, but so many thoughts like go through my head, like, and I had brought this up to you guys just in the fact that the mystics are um, deciding to go ahead and pay her, but the actual WNBA organization, they're not. That just baffles my mind that they even, and, and like she said in the article, she's like, I didn't even have a question, you know, like I didn't even think that it was going to be an issue, but then here she is, they deny her and she's like, oh my gosh, I have to choose between my health and like, I'm going to get paid. Like I have to choose between that. You know, that that's a tough position to be in. <laughs> yeah. And th- unfortunately this is a theme that we see with a lot of people. And unfortunately we see with a lot of women, yeah. um, you know, and there's been Absolutely. look be- before the, the black lives matter movement really took off. There was a me too movement because there were mm. plenty of women who were being treated just in ways that that I don't even really want to talk about or <laughs> or shed light on. If you want to know, you can go look, and it's it's horrendous. And the and the fact is is that women are equal to men uh, the same way that that black people are equal to white people. Equality right. and justice is equal regardless. We are all human beings, and we all deserve dignity, and we all deserve uh, grace, and we all deserve just love and and understanding and. When I first read through this story, I'm, I'm thinking about it and I'm trying to go, well, I wonder if this would play out differently if it was the NBA. Because, you know, un- unfortunately, the WNBA is, is not as big of a league, much like college women's sports. I mean, let's go back to that last story. If a, a black male player had come out and written that same letter, I imagine there would have been a lot more press following that story. Um, True story. But yeah, because it true. was a, a female player at a you know quasi smaller school, uh, it probably didn't get as much press. And so I'm, I'm trying to find these connections, and I'm thinking through it. And the first thing that came to mind was Chris Bosh, and I felt like that was the most closely correlated story that we probably have in the NBA, and the, the most closely related example that we might have. And and what's interesting there is that Chris Bosh, for those of you who don't know was a part of the Big Three in Miami. He was a perennial all-star. He was a top 20 player for many, many years. Uh, He's probably a Hall of Famer when all is said and done. Um, He's a a terrific player. He ended up getting uh, blood clots, I believe, was the issue that he had. And 
pretty much the NBA as well as the Miami Heat, who he was playing for. He had just signed a max five-year deal with the Miami Heat immediately after LeBron had decided to go back to Cleveland. Okay, so he signed basically the biggest deal that you could even get. And so he's on the books with the Miami Heat. And I'm trying to think, I think he might have played half of that first season. But after that, I don't believe he played again. I think it was in the middle of that season that basically he was diagnosed with this condition. The NBA and the Heat decided uh, you cannot play. It is far too risky for you to play. And after multiple doctor's visits and, and seeing multiple people and specialists and trying to get second opinions, Chris Bosh even found people who were on his side because Chris Bosh wanted to play. Chris Bosh has not played a minute in the NBA since the NBA said no, but he has also not missed a single paycheck of his max deal in which, at best, I think he played half a season. That's a far cry from what's going on in this injustice in the WNBA when you think about not just some random player, the MVP of last season is not going to be paid when her doctor says, You should not play because your immune system is so compromised that if you were to be exposed to COVID, you probably don't survive. And the NBA says, eh, too bad. If you don't want to play, you're not going to get paid. And like, let's just let that sink in. Those two things are basically paralleling each other, except that one is a man and one is a woman. Chris Bosh was never an MVP, okay? Della Don is an MVP, and she still can't get equal. I'm not even asking for preferential. She still can't even get equal treatment on a contract that I promise you is much smaller than the hundred-some-odd million that Chris Bosh was guaranteed. Exactly. This episode of Eye to Eye is brought to you by Janique Locks. If you're looking to get started, there's no better place. She specializes in all kinds. Dreadlocks, micro locks, sister locks, lock extensions, instant locks, interlocking, and more. If you're in the 757, please don't hesitate to contact her. You can find her on Instagram at Janique Locks. That's G-E-N-I-Q-U-E-L-O-C-S, Janique Locks. Or you can find her at her website, JaniqueLocks.com. Janique Locks, where locks are envied. All right, let's go ahead and start this podcast, man. Yeah, man. Nah, it's crazy because I was looking at that. It was just uh, February 9th, 2016. Four years ago was the last time that Chris Bosch trusted basketball. Yep. And to be perfectly honest with you, I was too. Anyway, um, but no, I, I... I had to say it there because I'm absolutely floored in the fact that we look at the the process in this and it just doesn't compute. When you have an all-star anybody, there's such a reverence to be had in that. And you want to honor that reverence, you know, and just call me old fashioned. Uh, but when somebody is, especially, you know, Devin, you, I'm surprised you didn't say this. When somebody is making you all the money, of course, you want to be able to take care of them. <laughs> and, <laughs> right, uh, right. you know, it's just that it, it amazes me that uh, Chris Bosch is, is loved and honored and revered in Miami and rightfully so, because he's a part of a team that made them very happy, that made them yep. uh, championship contenders, that got them championships. Yep. Um, Della Don 
is is a goat, and not just because she didn't go to UConn. Uh, shout out to to, to Rhode Island. Um, <laughs> you'll never ever hear that again. <laughs> but you know, it's it's I, just like Swain. I can't wrap my head around the fact that the person who was responsible for making your league look the best last season yeah. is someone who you would give such like putrid treatment. That's the best way to say it. And it just, I, cause then it really, it's again, it's something I can't wrap my head around because she is probably responsible for a, a good percentage of the amount of money that you made last season. And this is what you want to do to that person. Knowing that, especially in, in, in good old COVID-19 territory, um, she gets the wrong thing, it can and will potentially take her out because she is predisposed with an autoimmune efficiency disorder. Let's not pretend that the NBA is not taking it seriously. They're the one league that decided if we're going to come back, we're going to do so in a bubble. We are going to, to literally put people in the bubble of, of Disney World and not allow people in or out. They were the first league to shut down. They led the way. Adam Silver True. came out and said, we're done. We had one guy test positive, uh, Rudy Gobert, and we are done. They were the first league. They were on the cutting edge. They were the progressives. They were the ones that shut it down. So to pretend like the NBA and WNBA are not taking COVID seriously, and maybe that's one of the reasons, would, would be silly because that's not true. They fully buy into the fact that this is a dangerous and, and potentially deadly virus. Yeah, I think one of the things too that was just so shocking to me is like in that article, she said that people had said that she was faking a disability and that she was trying to get out of work to still collect a paycheck. I'm like, if she wanted to do that, I feel like she would have done that a long time ago. You know what I mean? Like she would have been using this as an excuse, but to know that she has had this and still continues to dominate in this yeah. game? Like, come on. Exactly. I feel like she, the, you're, you're saying that somebody just said that she had Jamarcus Russell's syndrome. And uh, <laughs> tell, tell me if I'm wrong. Well, let's not pretend that men have not faked injuries for years to avoid well, preseason or avoid yeah. mini camps or to avoid, you know, the the different ways that they're able to manipulate their teams and whatnot. There is definitely truth to that. But in this particular situation, I just don't see that to be the case. No, I certainly don't think that's the case. Uh, and I I don't know why that this just struck me. Oh. I imagine that this could end up being an additional conspiracy theory. Oh, no. I think one of the reasons why people are maybe not giving her credit is because she has Lyme disease and worried about the coronavirus. The two oh things don't gosh. go together quite so good as corona and Lyme. I just wonder if that's oh a conspiracy theory that people are going to throw out there. <laughs> if they're saying she's faking it, I mean, come on. Full disclosure, I don't, I don't believe that at all. I, it was just something I thought of. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Devin, what in the actual... Jordan, you know how my brain works, and it's... Yeah, it's, I do. It, I, I do. can't help I it. It's my brain. I where you were going with that at first. <laughs> just, I should have seen it coming. It's my fault. It it's true. You should have jumped in front of the bullet. Yeah. And, so, and now, for, this is how we have to cut that, that conversation off. We're cutting it off right now because you did that. Just sit in that for a second. And now I'm going to flip the script and we're going to move to the next topic. So this is a story all about how 
My wife got flipped. flipped. Whoa, you better not. Nope. Sorry. I, I wasn't that went the that wrong way. This is a Christian podcast. We should. Well, I, I think I stopped in time. In that context. You know who didn't? Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we don't want to, but we do want to. So we got to talk about this for about two seconds. And actually, you know, Devin is going to go ahead and, and frame this because this is this week's version of White Folk Be Wondering. Yes. White <laughs> Folks Wonder. So I came across this. And for those of you that don't know, let me give you a little bit of context. So it came out recently that uh, Jada Pinkett Smith has been, uh, what do we want to call it? Uh, going entangled. out. Entangled. <laughs> entangled. That's what you want to call it? Entangled. And with, entanglement. With other men, potentially, as part of what we have heard from one fresh prince, Will Smith, uh, that is, is an agreed upon open marriage arrangement. Okay, and so what I'm finding interesting here is I saw this. If Will Smith had cheated on Jada, the internet would crucify him. But since it's the other way around, people are making fun of him. So I tried to think, and I'm like, okay, let me go back, and what are some other celebrity couple scandals? And, and I really couldn't find one where the wife or the female in the couple cheated on the man and the man basically got made fun of for it. Like he wasn't, you know, keeping his house in order or whatever you call it. And so I, I want to ask as the white folk wondering, is this a black cultural thing? If Will Smith and Jada were not black, would this be embraced the same way? I guess I have to answer this question first. Being a black man. Who, um, who's married? And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who is married? But you know what? No, my wife is my wife's a G, and I love her. And uh, to death do us part, means she's gonna kill me before anything else happens. Um, which makes me thankful that I know that she is a faithful uh, wife, and I <laughs> want to be and, and desire to be a faithful husband until the day that I die. And hopefully, that is not by her hands. I would just like to say right now that I do not oh. believe that Michonne is homicidal, even though that's been mentioned a couple times so far on this podcast. <laughs> Um, let me go on record. Okay. Live in this house. Oh, so, okay. I stand uh, by that. J Jordan would like to denounce that and say she is absolutely homicidal. So, okay. Take that. Well, only, that's a weird thing to say about someone that you're scared of. Uh, I wouldn't no, put that out there, but. She, it's, it's homicidal and nuance, but it's homicidal nonetheless. <laughs> homicidal it's, doesn't have layers of nuance. It does. It does. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's just a side eye, like, you know, I want to kill you, but it's okay. I'm going to let it go this time. Oh. Um, Okay. And thankfully, I know the things that would actually bring about death, so that we don't go there. <laughs> Jordan, if you're scared, blink twice. <laughs> I'm worried about you, my friend. <laughs> I don't know if I can blink. Okay. No. Uh, but uh, no, actually, this, it, it goes a lot deeper for me. And this is not something where I'm going to bleed all over this uh, podcast like Kanye, which, by the way, please pray for him. Oh, um, please. But uh, no, when I was in high school, uh, wow. I haven't talked. Well, actually, no, I've talked about this. I think it's probably like a few years ago. I was probably in a CG or something. Um, when I was in high school, I dated a girl and, um, let's just say I was trying to be my good little young Christian self. Um, and she was not on the same page and, uh, was fooling with <laughs> quite a few people. I will not lay all of that out there. Uh, some folk who listen to this might be remembering that as we speak. But, oh, did you get fresh princed? Uh, no, I didn't get fresh princed. I, oh, okay. I cannot go uh, 
to the levels of, of what I actually got. Um, we, we can talk about that off, off. off <laughs> in the, uh, in the I do I after dark episode. <laughs> yeah, we might have to have one of those. You okay. Know, grab your, your, your ephod and hit your prayer closet. Yeah. Uh, Cause we're going to go there, <laughs> but no, this, this is what I do recall though. And this is the first time that that kind of resonated with me. Um, I was on the football team. It was my junior year. And, um, Word got around basically that my girlfriend at the time uh, was was a little loose and foolish. And uh, I just recall, I think it was probably a week before we actually broke up, as a matter of fact, because it just finally got to a point where I was I was really, really um, sick and tired of, of being joked because it happened a lot. I just remember being on the bus coming back from a football game. And I think it was a football game in Suffolk on top of that, too. So it was a long drive back. And I just remember two two dudes on the team just like dying laughing behind me, and one of them was imitating me, calling out her name and screaming like I was in deep love with the girl. But then they would laugh again because obviously she was doing stuff she wasn't supposed to be doing behind my back. And uh, I did not do anything that day. I had self control. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Galatians five. <laughs> 23. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm sure that's what you were doing at the time. It didn't change the fact that, yeah, I mean, no, seriously, if 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 I'm talking about how bitter and burnt I was from that, because I was, um, it, it was part of something that made me extremely bitter to the point where I really didn't date anybody or wasn't fair to any woman that I was even thinking about being involved with for almost five, six years after that. And I didn't trust a woman until mm. probably about seven, eight years after that. Um, you know, and just the infidelity was something I expected of all women, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, when I'm looking at this whole ordeal with with Will, it, it's on a much more advanced, mature, they apparently had a conversation level, but it doesn't change the fact um, that in our culture, and we see it now, and we see it on Black Twitter, and we see it just about every place else, uh, Blackstagram, I'm pointing <laughs> that phrase. Um Everybody is having a field day with this. There was one I sent uh, you guys to the group today. I didn't send it to you, Just, but I sent it to you. It was uh, uh, somebody used probably the most emotional, heartfelt, moving episode of anything ever in the history of TV on the Freshman to Bel-Air. There was a time where Ben Vereen came in and played his pops. And, you know, he was looking to reconcile and build this relationship. and, And then out of nowhere, his pops decides he wants to take off. Well, somebody... Uh, did a voiceover. Oh, they memified that? Yeah, talking to Uncle oh. Phil. And it, but it was actually supposed to be Will, though, like Will Smith. Right, and it's um, about Jada? And, yeah, oh, my gosh. Like, yeah, you know, like, you know, I mean, yeah, I did some bad things. I did uh, whatever the, the movie was. I did the, After the Earth? <laughs> yeah, you know, he's like, you know what? I did I Seven did, Pounds? I did, I did Bad Boys. <laughs> yeah, no, he actually he said that. Yeah, that was, that was, that was one of the bad ones. And I know was. the bad ones. There's a lot of bad ones, actually, if you go through yeah, his IMDb. You know he didn't say, though? He didn't say he did After Earth. That was the that's one That's the worst one. Well, that's because, yeah. uh, uh, the is it uh, Jaden? Jaden's in there. So you wouldn't yeah. say that to Jada because, of course, that's your son. Like, you got to support your son. Negro, please. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'll admit I haven't heard that one very often in my life. <laughs> You're invited today and today only. Um, but yeah, no. So you know, I was, but you know, so they took like the most seriously. The the thing every time you watch it, I guarantee you will cry. Oh, it, it's it's his Oscar moment. It's the it's probably the best acting he's ever done. 
Yeah, and the reason why, of course, was because he legitimately had that kind of relationship with his father. Because it was real. It was 100% yeah. real. The hug was real in the end. Like, I'm thinking about it now, and I'm trying not to choke up. Oh, I'm feeling it. And somebody takes that, and they do a voiceover on that, talking about the same thing, and then in the oh. end, it was just like, why don't she want me, man? And I was like, y'all oh are some God. jerks. But as I think about it, I'm like, yo, that that dude that did that, he is the dude that was sitting behind me on that bus. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, that dude might might even have been me when I was younger. But the question is... <laughs> oh, I don't like it so much right would, now. Would, uh, like, this, that wouldn't... No one would have taken uh, a scene from one of Jada's works and done the same thing, right? I mean, I would have done it with Demon Knight. No, but, I'm just you know. saying, like, if, if Will was the one that stepped out, Jada wouldn't be the punk. <laughs> You know uh, what? At this point, social media is so savage these days. That's <laughs> like, true. The memes, like the videos, everything is just like on a whole nother level. So I would have put it past anybody <laughs> to like post or create whatever <laughs> it is that they want to because people uh, are wildin'. Let's just. <laughs> I do have to wonder too, like if if Will's recent movie history was better if maybe this wouldn't happen. But unfortunately, even though he's still like, you know, a pretty powerful Hollywood figure and still an A-lister, if you look at his IMDb over the last decade, it is awful. I mean, it is bad. He did he did Gemini Man. He did Aladdin. Wait, that wasn't good. He did Bright. He did Collateral Wait. Beauty. Suicide Squad might be the best one. He did Concussion, which... Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess the, the topic is interesting, but yikes. Um, I mean, it, maybe his best work was in 2013 when he was, uh, was it BET News and uh, Anchorman 2 during the Anchorman fight at the end? <laughs> Yo, chill out. <laughs> uh, other than that, man, it, it's, been, it's been rough for Will. He has not had a, a very good streak of films for a, a decade. But he did do Bad Boys for Life, so culturally he is redeemed amongst black people. True. Yeah, but if you're doing one out of 15, that's just bearable, too. But people are going to remember that one. Exactly. I remember the 14. Dev, I need you you to understand (laughs) this, okay? Even Jay-Z broke down Nas's uh, discography and talked about how Illmatic was probably the one out of a a decade long of of albums, yet yet we still call Nas a legend and will continue to call Nas a legend. Yeah, that's true. Will kind of falls in that category. Now, musically, he does not. No, absolutely not. Uh, get, <laughs> get jiggy, jiggy with, with it. it. Can, there, na, 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 na. Yeah. Yeah. Look, just this the is two the of us. Hold on. So Swangle just turned around. <laughs> this is what gets me. Okay, let me just put this on the record. The fact that they welcomed, and, and maybe I don't have the story right, but from what I know and from what I understand, they welcomed him into the <laughs> home, and he's, like, close to Jaden. I wish we had the video because you are getting so animated right now. <laughs> <laughs> How in the world do you do that? Like, that is weird. And not only that, just their whole dynamic of the relationship is weird. I've always thought it was weird. And just how she, like, talks about their openness <laughs> on, like, the Red right. Talk table. And it's so interesting because, like, her and her mom, like, you can tell that they just, like, differ in 
like views like she's definitely way more like conservative when it comes to like relationships and like I just don't think that she agrees with the openness <laughs> of her marriage, you know? I admit they do kind of seem like the black Clintons of Hollywood. Like they're married for convenience and power. <laughs> and that's what a lot of people like say and think at this point. <sighs> <laughs> See, yeah, I, I got to reel this back in. We got to remember we're a Christian podcast. We can't talk about anything is true, but my God. I mean, this is why folks be wondering. We're we're reeled out. No, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know, I know where you, I know Hey, where you said boldly go. Yeah, <laughs> true. Well, most true. folks ain't trying. You know what? Uh, I knew I was going to eat those mm-hmm. words one day. I'm eating them. Well, no, to be perfectly uh, in sync with the conversation now, see what I did there? Um, <laughs> but no, to, to kind of offer the perspective that needs to be offered, though, and I say this in objectivity because I am not one who ever tries to judge anyone's life and the decisions that they make. I cannot make anybody do anything that they don't want to do. (laughs) Neither can Will. And Will and Jada have clearly, (laughs) yeah. Will and Jada, thanks, Dev, have clearly crafted out um, the blueprint of what their relationship was supposed to be. It it is also very publicly acknowledged that y'all are just (laughs) the messiest. It has been very publicly acknowledged that they are not believers, you know, and for what it's worth, we know that, you know, it doesn't mean that people can't still make the right decisions. Um, but we also understand that, it, like Dev said a couple of weeks ago, the, the Bible is, is supposed to be a guide. Um, and it's not that other things can't be a guide, but when we know that it is the guide and you're not abiding by it, uh, then certain things like this can happen. And yeah, no, even Christians can make mistakes or Christians can can kind of step out of line with the understanding of what the word says. So I'm not trying to say that that's the reason why it happened. We could have been talking about uh, your favorite pastor who has stepped out on their relationship or their marriage, you know, because that has happened plenty of times as well. Um, but I do uh, think beyond a shadow of a doubt that they've given themselves a little bit more of a complexity uh, by not involving, um, you know, uh, the the understanding of what it says in the word and the the, the quarter street thran- uh, quarter street thrands. yeah right, uh, <laughs> and the quarter three strands is not easily broken, having to have Christ woven into their marriage, and I guarantee uh, that at least maybe they would have gone through something like this still, but it wouldn't have been in the context of an open relationship. Um, it doesn't mean that relationships aren't difficult. We all know that. You know, um, but it does not change the fact. Don't shake your head, Justice. You need to keep talking about your love life. Um, I'm kidding. Well, all relationships are difficult, not just romantic ones. All relationships are difficult. Yeah, no. All relationships, yes, yes. To that point, like, I think that... Don't cuss me out. No, no. What I was going to say was I was actually going to add to what you were saying because I actually love that there's some pastors like I know Michael Todd right now is doing like a whole series on relationship goals and like relationship goals unloaded what is he doing a reloaded he's got a book yeah like he is like really unpacking this um idea of relationships and not just like romantic relationships but all relationships friendships and so I love that 
we're seeing certain pastors step up and talk about those things, especially the topic of sex, um, because I think now culturally, um, you know, we see like Will and Jada, and then you you think about the Kardashians, and you know, just like those people that um, uh, culturally, like people, I guess, will look at because they have the platform, they're popular, whatever you want to call it. There are um, any white people having sex? Like it's see why are these uh the the examples? Oh no. Oh no. No, I, I do Stop I do kind it. of Stop. here's here's a here's a additional white folk wonder. I feel like <laughs> why are we adventuring into the bedroom of black people more recently? Is it just because they're the ones that are because it seems like there's more of that going on. Is that not true? Am I wrong? Well, I just think that like and like this is a legitimate question. Like, when do we hear about like white people stories as in like, when I think about like the Kardashians, like they are, have children outside of like, like they're not getting married before they like have kids. So like, who do you know that like, we're talking about who's white that are like in those type of situations that are like popular. I was going to make a bad <laughs> joke and basically talk about how, uh, anybody or any um, Hollywood couple that we, you know, we we combine their names to to give them that couple Benifer. name. I think all of them. Ad- <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, Benifer is, is that's the one I was thinking too. Like Brangelina, like yeah. all of them have died. They, they've died yeah. out, and you know, so now we're not talking about them. Plus, you know, I, I for one was one who was done with it when somebody named their baby Siri, or Surrey, and or or Apple. Surrey, I believe, was Tom Cruise. Yes, exactly. And Apple was Chris Martin and Gwyneth Paltrow. And I don't have exactly. time to go into Gwyneth Paltrow. No. no but weren't I, I they, know. like, weren't they married? Well, Gwyneth pa- yeah, they were married. But, like, Gwyneth really treated Chris Martin poorly in a lot yeah. of oh, really? terrible yeah, ways. And no one was making fun of Chris Martin. And nope. the last real big, like, white scandal if we're not counting Johnny Depp which is a whole nother can of worms that's a whole different situation um if we're t- just talking about infidelity with a couple that appears to be monogamous I mean I feel like you kind of have to go back to the Brad Pitt Jennifer Aniston Angelina Jolie thing I feel like this is like a corner that a lot of rappers or like it the Kardashians are a good example or NBA players like it's it's become that that kind of thing. And I wonder if, is that borderline a stereotype in the culture? Because I don't, I don't feel like mm. we're treating white people the same way. And that's not to say that white people aren't doing this. <laughs> I was just thinking, I was bringing it up as a point of like, I feel like culture now, now is trying to normalize this idea of like having kids before marriage or like having this idea of an open marriage rather than thinking of it as a covenant. Like... God created man and woman to be in marriage with each other and then to reproduce. Yeah. So that's kind that's of where I was going true. with it. That's like a whole nother, what you're bringing up is like a whole nother thing that I didn't even think about. And I kind of don't get it. Like if you're not a Christian, why get married anyway? Like what's the point? Like <laughs> if you, yeah. if you don't yeah, really but... believe in monogamy for life, then why even bother with the step? <laughs> is it just yeah. cultural? Especially if you guys don't work out and the stuff that happens even after that, like I wouldn't want to do. Well, like, what are your vows? Uh, For better or for mediocre? But if it gets worse, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. No, actually, it's crazy because I'm trying to look. Yep, I found it. Had a friend of mine on Facebook talk about that, and he asked a question. And I, to to be to be subjective uh, in the in the topic, he's a believer. Nailed it. Uh, but yeah, he said a marriage. Well, he asked one marriage question, and then he updated it, and he was like, "Can a couple be in a committed relationship forever without having the title of being married?" Hmm. And a lot of it's it's amazing the answers that were being given. Uh, there was one person who just kind of laid it out there. She's like, "Been in one twelve years, no marriage license." And then somebody said, sign an agreement, says the guy with three ex-wives. We don't need to talk about that. Um, Dang. I think I got some no, smoke. So many yeah. No, there was one I'm trying to find. That, that is an interesting position, right? Because, like, in reality, the way that culture kind of handles marriage is, is you have people come, you do it in a legal fashion, you have someone who's ordained or a judge kind of determine, oh, here you go. In reality, though, the Christian belief is before the eyes of God. And if we actually believe that God is kind of anywhere two or more gathered, I mean, in a lot of ways, you can kind of be, you should be able to be married without all that pomp, pomp and circumstance, unless uh, the MDiv over here is going to correct my theology. Uh, not necessarily. Um, I was just trying to find the one dude that said something where I just had to reply. Um, he said, yeah, you can, of course, but what uh, benefit is there to that? You'll still be considered single. I think it's selfish to keep someone else back because someone else is scared to be committed. I don't think it's I don't think it's about that. I don't know. Anyway, I fast forward that. I'll just give my response. Um, and it was it was uh here it is. It was at, uh, I said decent question. Uh, everything is risk in life. Uh, different avenue, but the same narrative risk. Uh, those who commit to the risk because they honor what they're committed to express that um. Oh, because what they're committed to express that commitment, even at the risk of it, uh, not working or hurting us or failing. And a side note, failing is nothing but learning to equip yourself for the next time you take the risk. Uh, simply put, our society is no longer bred for commitment like that anymore for a million reasons I won't elaborate on. But here's the bottom line in this. If you feel strongly enough about someone that they become your world, symbolically the expressed gesture of the love you've developed toward them is to bind them to yourself, ensuring absolutely, in all caps, no one else can have them on this side of eternity. That's the significant importance of marriage that, again, by no one's fault except our culture, doesn't get the emphasis it deserves. So I, I wrote some other stuff too. But, you know, I think that that is the one part that we do miss. And, you know, this is even approaching individuals who say that they believe in our Bible, but only 50% of Christians believe in the Bible in its entirety, which means you really don't completely believe the faith which means you might as well not believe the faith. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not winging on anybody or anything like that. Uh, but if that's the case, then that is the reason why so much of our relationship with Jesus is so subjective to the point that you feel like you don't need to be married. Or if you get married, you know, I just call marriage and divorce Christian dating in today's culture <laughs> because that's really what well, it feels like. And I don't think this is working out. So, And marriages statistically are no better off if you're a believer or if you're not. Like, I mean, the, the divorce rates are pretty much equal across the board, whether you're a Christian or you're an atheist. Yep. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Well, uh, white folk be wondering. I hope you wonder no more. Um, <laughs> Until next week. To say, 
Yeah. Well, I mean, somebody's going to ask that question again. I just have a funny feeling because that there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. But um, I wanted to give honor because I love both of y'all and both of y'all really wanted to talk about this. Mm-hmm. So I watched it uh, to discussing Hamilton. I'm just going to say it, that this is going to be um, a cliffhanger episode. Yeah. We, we, can, we should not do a cultural phenomenon unlike maybe any that any of us have experienced in our lifetime where it has had had relevancy for uh, the better part of a decade to simply talk about the musical Hamilton at the hour 15 mark of our episode. I think Hamilton borderline deserves its own episode. And so just to come in here and dropping your, to honor you two, I'd like to bring this up with three minutes to go. (laughs) I mean, good Lord. Call him out. Call him out. That doesn't feel like honor at all. You know what? And why don't you tell the people how you almost cried at the end? And by almost, I think you actually did cry. I think you're just a Will Smith. And you're just out here all week crying about everything. Let's red table this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you really muted him. Yeah, that's fine because GarageBand is still recording and I hear you, so it's fine. You can unmute yourself now, sir. It doesn't matter. GarageBand's recording. How are you going to do coming. my man Deb like that? Well, there's the thing. I only wanted to he's do it for two seconds. And he is I know, he's still, still talking. Like, no, like, seriously, I can't unmute That's you because GarageBand is still recording me. You cannot control what is on this podcast, sir. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I know that. I know that for a fact. <laughs> I know that for a fact. But it just made me feel better. Yeah. Really well, did. I mean, I if if uh, <laughs> if false control makes you feel better, um, I suppose that's why Michonne wears the pants. Oh, that's going to be a great yeah. ending to the podcast. She's going to probably applaud it. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you've wow. basically said she wants to murder you while you sleep. <laughs> that doesn't mean that she wears the pants. Oh, she does murdering in a dress, does she? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people who murder in a dress. Okay, la femme fatale. Let's get real All here. right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's wrong with you, man? That I mean, that that's the frame. You don't want a woman wearing pants in a movie murdering people. To be perfectly honest with you. There are not a lot of people who wear dresses and murder people. Uh, homicides are pretty much ninety-eight and a half percent men. So, except for Charlize Theron and, and Monster, yeah, yeah. Now I got you. Whatever. So even in weird analogies, I'm statistically accurate. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. So we will give Hamilton its due, even though I just got berated on my own doggone podcast by my own team. <laughs> that that's true. And so, the day before your birthday, we apologize. We humbly apologize. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, you, you do not humbly apologize. We want to take a moment to honor you in this moment. <laughs> I want our listeners to think I'm humbly apologizing with sincerity. hundred percent. We just want to say how much we appreciate you and love you. Yes, and your leadership and your godliness. Yeah, this isn't even going to make the podcast. So much. It's going to get cut out. Oh, this is absolutely getting in there. It's it might be after the closing music, but out. it's in there. <laughs> okay, yeah, whatever. You know what? I, I'm not taking any more of this. We're cutting this <laughs> off. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again for listening to the latest episode. Please pray for justice and for Devin because clearly ain't nothing appreciated around her. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I love you guys, even in spite of yourselves. Uh, please don't forget uh, to like, share, subscribe, everything else I'm trying to concentrate on instead of the disrespect that has been handed to me. <laughs> And as always, please don't forget to be inspired to inspire, uh, even when your own friends at Two Brute.
stab you. Not in your not in your back, just straight to your face. <laughs> uh, but yeah, please continue to be inspired to inspire because that's what the inspired one does. I suppose that I'm worthy of the name Jordan. I am absolutely worthy of the name Devin. I'm <laughs> And now it's time for us to go night night. Nailed it. I didn't want to like say that again. I felt like that would be really no, I'm definitely leaving that in. <laughs> As the you are. Yeah. Um, justice. We'll, we'll catch yeah. y'all next week. God bless you. Please cut it off now. Peace. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. production of Inspired One Enterprises, engineering by Devin Chandler, editing and production Jordan Brown, marketing and media Justice Swangle. Thanks again for listening to the latest and greatest episode. Please don't forget to follow us on FB, Inspired One Enterprises, on Insta at I underscore the number two underscore I podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Leave five stars and a generous review because you love us and want us to be successful as we do you. Thank you once again for rocking with us. And remember, be inspired to inspire because that's what the inspired one does.